The content of this podcast episode comes with a warning. Please note, this podcast episode may touch upon the subject matter of suicide, as is discussed in the book The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. If you or someone you know is currently considering suicide or is in a crisis, please contact 1-844-437-3247. Are you silly, generous, and opinionated? Or creative, adventurous, and studious? Want to know which book interrupted member you're most like? Try visiting www.bookinterrupted.com members to find out. Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. At least the Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I wanted the stakes to be higher for her, like for it to be mm. worse regrets. Plays into her being a philosophy major where she had all this knowledge about philosophy, but philosophy is all about perspective. Like it's normal for everybody to feel depressed sometimes. Each one of her lives, she was still, most of them, she was still taking antidepressants. I feel depressed in opposition to I am depressed. Look at how happy I am. <laughs> It's crazy. Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from May 30th to July 10th. It's our fan Virginia's book pick and we're reading Midnight Library by Matt Haig. A dazzling novel about regrets and all the choices that go into a life well lived. Would you have done anything different if you had a chance to undo your regrets? All right, so it's personal journal time. Let's see what the members of Book Interrupted thought outside the group. I'm Virginia, and this is my personal journal, a number two for Midnight Library. So this is where we chat about how we're feeling about the book about halfway through. So I thought that Matt Haig did a really beautiful job capturing what it's like for Nora to be living with depression. and how she's feeling that like life is just kicking her in the teeth and that there's no other choice for her but to but to suicide like so that's better like the world's better off without her so i thought he did a really nice job capturing that and also what it's like for her where she has you know what could have been like little bits of joy in her life like with her cat and with a neighbor and with that with the boy that she is teaching music lessons to and not because of the depression that she's not owning up to some of the responsibilities. And so then it's just a cycle. And uh, and so then she feels even more deeply rooted that life is just, you know, kicking her in the teeth. So I thought Matt Haig did a great job capturing that and capturing like why she's, she's now in the place of the Midnight Library where she can start looking at some of the regrets of her life. So the, the woulda, shoulda, coulda, like if I just, you know, continued on to be an athlete, would my life have been better? If I just continued on to be 
uh, the singer in the band, you know, would my life be better? So I liked his writing style for that. Halfway through though, it is, I find it less um, captivating. So at this point now, they're going through all of the, the various lives that she can redo. And so I find it, it's, it's not as captivating. Some of the lives are, are really interesting, like when she's up north and then uh, when she gets to be the Olympic swimmer and with the, the band, but then some of them I find are just getting a bit, I don't know, boring. So, but I think that it's, it's great that like the, the concept is holding true, you know, about redoing life regrets and then, and then we'll see what happens at the end. So that's it for me. Oh, the great things that I could say about the Midnight Library, a novel by Matt Haig. Yes, I know I am prone to only giving positive reviews, of course, but I would like to have all of you know that I normally don't read fiction. So the likelihood of me coming back with negative reviews was great because I really only enjoy nonfiction, in particular self-help books. And this was not that. And I loved it. I lovey love loved it. So many different things. I love the character development. I love the writing style. I love the concept and the themes. For me, even though it was a book that began with already alerting readers to the fact that the main character would be committing suicide, the book was so much more than that. If anything, like that was the beginning piece to open up where the story goes. And it goes in a few different places, but primarily I was so fascinated and intrigued. It really captivated my attention how the author really liked to explore this idea of regret. What is a regret? Is there a reframe around that? And are those who experience perhaps more regret than others, is there a mindset piece here? I love how the author got to exploring possibilities and how so often it seems like many things are out of our control but truly when you re-examine them how many of those things actually are within our control is there simply just a matter of lacking motivation or belief in oneself so it was really fun to just take in the reading digest all that material even though there was at the forefront this story being told in the back there were also a number of things that the author was kind of like inviting us as readers to reflect upon. That is very much right up my alley. I love a good reflection session. I really appreciated the main character, how she was so into philosophy and how so much of that came out within the writing as if the book itself became this living, breathing entity that started to ooze out bits of the main character meaning that taking philosophy as an example that wasn't just reserved to utterances out of the main character that in fact philosophy was peppered throughout the entire read just so enjoyable i actually wouldn't mind reading it again to see if i missed anything if i go back and read it again do 
other things jump out at me that I can't quite grasp. So far, my favorite part of the book is when the main character, Nora, is in the life where she is a glaciologist, a scientist who studies the impacts of the climate, in particular global warming and its effects on uh, glaciers. But when she is out on her own and the crew is exploring and she's in charge of monitoring for polar bears to come. Oh, that was just a really, really great scene. I loved it so much. I love how I'm talking about it in scenes. So that's another thing. Even though I read the book and there are chapters, not scenes, it very much played out like a movie in the mind. Similar to how when I read From the Ashes that the writing was so well done that you almost detach from you yourself and your life and you go into this fictitious world um, that's just filled with like detail and nuance and it's just quite delightful. But the other precious chapter that I enjoyed is when Nora gets to go into the one life where she is a mother and gets to meet her little girl. Those were some beautiful, beautiful bits right there. I didn't want her to leave that world, although another part of me did want her to leave that world. So, so far, so good. I highly recommend this book, even if you are very much into fiction. Um, so like I mentioned, I'm not typically into fiction, and I'm like, oh gosh, if any readers out there are similar to me, if you ever do want to uh, cross over into the other realm and get into fiction, this is the book for you. But it's not just for people who don't enjoy fiction. Those who do enjoy fiction, I guarantee you're going to really like this read. Okay, cool. I can't wait to finish it up. So I usually read books pretty fast and I think this is the first time that I'm doing this, but I haven't really gotten that far through the book. I was going to try to get this book for my library because they had so many copies and I thought I would maybe save a little bit of money that way. Unfortunately, I've just been in the hold lineup for a while. So I got the audiobook, which I started listening to. And honestly, I just... There's something about the narrator that just wasn't doing it for me. And I don't know, sometimes audiobooks can be a little slow. I couldn't really get into the book like I normally would if I was reading. So I have now bought the book and I've started over. And I can honestly say that I think I'm enjoying it more so far. But I don't have very much to say yet. <laughs> so I was thinking though, there's a movie that I've been meaning to watch that's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I've been told that it's really hilarious. And I think that maybe that movie might be a similar theme to this, where it's like lots of different lives being told over. That's all. I, I wish I had something interesting to edit into this episode, but uh, I just really don't. <laughs> I just really don't. Okie dokie. Personal journal number two, Midnight Library. I am loving it. It is so damn good. I'm just trying to think what melody I just stole. It's a song from the 50s and 60s. Anyway, what do I like about this book so far? I love the beginning where you are drawn into the story in the very first sentence because it says, if I can just quote it 
accurately. 19 years before she decided to die, Nora Seed sat in the warmth of a small library at Hazeldean School in the town of Bedford. So right away, you're like, oh, when I first read that, I thought, decided to die. And I thought that it was, this personal journal will be full of spoilers. So turn it down if you don't want to know. I thought that she was deciding to die because you got to choose when you died. And I thought there was like a multidimensional theme and I don't know. But as I read on, I realized, oh, this is a countdown potentially to her deciding to take her own life or becoming someone who dies by suicide, depending on how you view that experience. It may not be such a decision at all. Anyway, so that right away pulled me in and it counts down till when she finally, again, spoiler alert all over the place, does it. And then she goes to the library where there is a variety of books on all the very many, like the vast, infinite, many ways that her life could have been different had she made different choices, basically. They frame it in the context of regret. And I think that is because she finds herself in the library kind of based on, you know, maybe not being able to handle what she perceives to be the outcome of all her choices. And just so unhappy. So she killed herself, but, or she died by suicide. I think it would be cool to have a midnight library that wasn't fully based on regret. It could be based on like curiosities or whatever. We talked about that in one of the episodes as well. So I don't know. The thing that I'm really intrigued about is like, I don't know where this is going, right? So will she eventually, I guess, find a life and be happy and stay there? There's going to be some lessons she learns, I assume. I'm predicting now that she'll find out that... What, maybe I'll go with my own theory that she has to like listen to herself and her truth to be able to truly get in the life that you know is meant for her because all of these other ones are her kind of doing things for someone else maybe I'm only about 120 pages in or so and if you listen to the first episode and heard my first personal journal, then you'll know that I'm doing two personal journals on the same day. But I have to because I'm not going to stop reading this before I do my final. So I think it's more appropriate that I'm doing this personal journal at the point of the book that I'm in than it was for me to do the intro basically in the same place. <laughs> so, But um, I still love it and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. So I guess that's all I have to say about that right now. I guess I'll say one more thing. I like also that when she does get to follow a regret or live out the alternative to the choice of what she was regretting, like one of the very first ones is if she would have married the man that she decided not to marry and it turns out to suck, right? And so she's like, oh, okay, that's not anything what I thought it would be. That is something I am going to take with me that helps me to remember if there is a regret, maybe what you're regretting, because she was mourning, I think he puts it well in there, like she's mourning a life that never happened, but she's also mourning a life that she made up. So when she actually gets to go and see the life that never happened, she realizes it's not worthy of mourning. It should 
be dead. So that regret is erased. So I think if we as readers could learn that lesson in real time, we may dampen the impact of our regrets because we don't know that the thing we regret would have necessarily led to the thing we think we're missing. Now I'm done. Hi. I'm just shy of halfway through and I really love it. It's such an easy read. Uh, just personally, I love a small chapter because there's like a sense of accomplishment every time you just burn out a chapter and I love that. And I just love it. It's like a adventure read. I love the concept behind the book. I love the idea like this place could exist and you could redo any regret or follow through any lost opportunity in life. What an amazing thing that would be. If that's heaven, I want to go. Though it, it has a dark, sad undertone, I just love the book. I love everything about it. It's an easy read. It's I'm just burning through it, even though I probably should be halfway through by now, by this date, but whatever. It's just got my imagination going like crazy and I'm just so excited to see what happens. I can't even foresee where this would be going. I can't wait to find out more. I wish I had more to say that was kind of fascinating, but all I got to say is I love it. Is he on the book report, I guess? All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. So I had to stop myself from reading so I could do this personal journal and I'm doing it before I normally would because I'm flying through this book. It is so good. I really like it. The chapters are really small and each chapter after the beginning is basically another life of hers and it's just amazing because she thinks if she changed the things she did, she would have been happier and more contented with her life. And what it shows you while you read the book is that every life has its up and downs, no matter what life you choose. So I really like that concept of, of the book because really at any time you can change your life, you can make a different choice and something completely different can happen. And you could never predict if you made a different choice, how your life would end up. You could never predict it. Some of her lives, she is happy in one area and not happy in another. I also really like I'm almost in the book. I had to stop at the many lives of Nora Seed, which is 200 pages in, 210, because I'm, I'm just gonna finish it. I also really like that what she's starting to realize is most of her major regrets are making choices to make other people happy and doing what she thinks are gonna make them happy by giving up basically her dreams and figuring out what she wants out of life. And if she does those things, it doesn't necessarily make the people that she's with happy in the end, which I think is really interesting because honestly, you have to live your life to the fullest. I'm not saying don't do things for other people, but what do you want to do? What life do you want to create for yourself? And if it doesn't work out, then try something else. Anyway, this book is amazing. I'm really enjoying it. It makes you think a lot. I don't actually have that many regrets because if something's not working out or something I tried didn't didn't happen then I just start over or if I'm unhappy with my life I just start over but I learned that lesson in my 20s which I was very lucky to do I feel really blessed that I learned that in my, my 20s because like we mentioned in our group chat 
I've restarted my life like four times. <laughs> Every time is better and I'm happier each time. So I think that a lot of people are going to get things out of this book because it really shows you, you can never know if you made a different decision, what your life is going to be like. So start figuring out what you might want to do in life and try it. And if it doesn't work out, try something else. There's nothing set in stone. You can choose. So I'm really looking forward to finishing this book and I really like it. So thank you, Virginia. Hello. So I am about three quarters of the way through The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And I don't know really how I feel about this book. It's very quick read, which I like. And it's entertaining to a point, but it's kind of really frustrating me for a couple of reasons. First of all, the main character, Nora, is not my favorite person. She's kind of depressing and self-absorbed. So it's hard when the main character is not someone that you connect with. But also, I think the thing that frustrates me the most is... Okay, I'll, I'll start. So this is a spoiler alert, first of all, if anyone hasn't read the book. But the kind of story is that she's in this midnight library and she gets transported to these lives that she could have lived of herself in different points of time from regrets that she had, kind of. And what she does is she gets transported there. And when she has starts to feel disappointment in the life, she gets transported back to the Midnight Library. But the thing that's frustrating me the most is that when she gets transported into these lives, it's the old Nora. It's the her main self person, the one that she starts with. It's her with all of her baggage and her history and stuff is transported into these lives in which it's her body, right? But she doesn't remember any of the memories or the feelings or anything that are in those lives. You know, she doesn't know how, you know, she's in the Arctic or whatever, and she doesn't remember getting there or or anything about any of the people or their her relationships with those people or the the knowledge she's supposed to have. And I'm like, well, obviously, if you go into this life that's not yours and you don't know how that person feels, you're going to feel disappointment. And, you know, I think that the whole concept would have been so much better if she'd gone in and like had their memories and their feelings and been able to really experience their life. I don't know. It felt kind of like that TV show, Quantum Leap. He goes transporting and he ends up in these bodies and he has to, but everyone can see what they see is the outside of the same person, but in the inside is different. I don't know. It kind of was ruining the concept for me because I don't know, it was very like, exciting and not romantic or whatever but the idea that you could go and like experience what it would be like to lived in Australia or you know lived in the Arctic or studied glaciers and you know been a rock star and been a public speaker and professional swimmer whatever all of these amazing things but she's not really experiencing them she's just her same depressed kind of self who was then transported into these bodies and is like trying to figure things out. And I don't know, it just frustrated me. Doesn't mean that I'm not necessarily enjoying the book. I'm just frustrated with it. So I'll let you know what I think at the very end. See you then. Bye. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and in Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book Interrupted.
My interruption is having stuff stuck in your teeth. You know, on a normal day or a normal day before the wearing masks all the time, we, you know, having something stuck in your teeth sucked, but you'd kind of just stick your hand in there or like subtly put your hand up and, you know, kind of dig out what you need that's in your teeth. But then it's now when you're wearing a mask and also, you know, why were we sticking our hands in our mouths before? Like we should have washed our hands first. But it's like now that you wear a mask, you've got to like, I don't know, like what do you do? So you're using your tongue and you're like, oh, I'm trying to get this thing out, but it's still stuck in there. So then you're like, okay, well, do I go to the bathroom and I wash my hands really, really well and then try to dig it out? Or do I just try to ignore it? And then I had this freaking piece of something it must have been a piece of carrot or something stuck because I have a retainer kind of wire behind my bottom teeth it was stuck in between there and it wouldn't come out and I was at work and I'm wearing a mask and it was driving me insane but of course I didn't want to go and wash my eventually I think I did wash my hands but it's like I don't know are, are we going to bring back toothpicks is toothpicks a thing you know I think we have some at work but that you have all the time so you can use the toothpick to take stuff out I don't know. It, it's definitely an interruption for me the other day. Book interrupted. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. I wore right. a shirt that's not midnight, but it's supposed to look like t- nighttime is coming. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So who starts? Virginia, do you want to start and say something? <laughs> something. Say something. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm excited for this episode where we can chat a little bit more about the book pick, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I'm excited to hear what you all have to say about your thoughts on the book, about some of the, the direction that it went into, especially sort of in the middle and then how it ended and I don't know, just your general take on it. So happy for today. So. That's awesome. Yeah. You all get a chance to read to finish reading it, or where y'all at in the book? Mm. I'm done. I didn't finish, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I ate it all up. It was great. <laughs> it was good. I think you finished Kara before last episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think you're already done. I couldn't get enough. I was. It was such a great distraction <laughs> to doing all the other things on life's to do list. I was like, I could just you know, read a little bit more and then get back to the to-dos. Yeah, it was fantastic. Did it go in the direction you thought it was going to go in? It did. It did. It played out that there was like the takeaway lesson, which wasn't spoon fed to you. As a reader, you kind of were invited to get to your own conclusion. The author did a great job at leading you there to kind of like reevaluate like what is a regret choices and their impacts on our lives and yeah I wanted of course the wrap it up in a beautiful bow nice ending where she got to return to her current life I think I would have been devastated had she not the main character gotcha yeah, yeah. was everyone else anticipating that at the end she would come back into her original life yeah I called it no no, I was just, I was just trying to even remember. I was like, I finished the book, but I don't remember the ending. <laughs> yeah. So she got to go back to her own old life. Yeah, there was that build up, and the midnight library was like going into flames. <laughs> spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, major spoiler alert. I know I haven't finished it yet because I'm. Oh, sorry, Leo. Oh, reader. <laughs> and no, that's okay. But uh, I didn't anticipate that. I kind of was like 
getting mad at the librarian. I was like, just let her die already. I feel bad for her, especially when they like talk about it being excruciating. And I was like, just let her go. <laughs> You'd be a terrible librarian. You're like, eh, you don't want to yeah. do these books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, let's go on then. Uh, <laughs> at least the Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. These books um, aren't that interesting. That kind of feeds into a question I have for everybody about the book. The book frustrated me a bit. I, I liked a lot of it. Like, it was super easy for me to read. I finished it faster than I think any book we've done in the two years. But mm-hmm. I was frustrated with it quite a few times. My big question is, so... Her life, to me, she had regrets, but they weren't big regrets, right? She didn't, I don't know, get drunk and hit someone with a car. So I don't know, something really dramatic, right? And it frustrated me a lot. I just felt like I didn't really like her as a character in general, but I just felt she was kind of whiny and depressed for not reasons that she could have fixed. But then Mm -hmm. I also wonder whether that was the point of the author, you know, I wanted the stakes to be higher for her, for it to be worse regrets. But also, is it just the point of the author that you shouldn't have regrets for little things? I think that's kind of the point. I think that for me, I expected the book to end where it did. And I think that's kind of the point where not everything in her life was like a complete loss. It was more about her perspective. And I think that's kind of what this book is telling you is that perspective is more important, especially for her who didn't really have that bad of a life like her life was just fine but her perspective needed to change and I thought I think part of that plays into her being a philosophy major where she had all this knowledge about philosophy but philosophy is all about perspective that's what it is taking different perspectives on life and even though she understood the philosophy a little bit she couldn't she wasn't applying it and I think that's part of it like why she was presented as a philosophy major and a very knowledgeable person and knew all these things but hadn't figured out kind of like the meaning of them or how they applied to her. Like she was often looking outwards. I mean, that's how she started, always looking outwards. What did I not do? And how do people perceive me rather than looking inwards? Beautifully put. I think that was kind of the point. Because if her life was terrible, then you would be rooting for, you know, whether she's likable or not. You could still see, yeah, maybe you should just return. Maybe it's not so bad. But if her life was already terrible, like what if it was the worst path? then, I mean, yeah, you'd want her to take any other path, right? <laughs> you know, would she even yeah. end up at the library? Was If everything she'd done was just a terrible, terrible mess. I agree with you. And I, th- I thought it was interesting at the end how she talked about how she was going to have that different mindset, that perspective you're talking about, because I agree with you. I think it was more about someone's mindset into the choices they make in their life. And then in the end, she talks about how her life was lived for other people and their dreams for her. And so what she was going to start doing now is living for herself. So I thought that was a really nice message as well, is that to change your perspective and also to live your own life and not the dreams your dad has for, you know, being a swim star or your brother has for you being a rock star in an emerging rock band and you know that sort of thing so I thought that was interesting I also agree that I found her frustrating too I mean there was certain things like she did seem quite whiny in some things and not making some changes in her life like with her friends you know Izzy the fact that she's like I thought she could have maybe fostered that relationship a little bit more as well instead of just kind of taking a back seat so parts of that frustration definitely fell on me as well but it summed up too for that perspective that mindset maybe if they had spent or he had spent more time in the early part of the book in her 
first life or her true life or whatever we're calling it. They do mention that she's taking antidepressants, but if they'd spent more time in her developing what she had some situational depression and then she like, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, if you're a depressive person, all the little things are too much. Any action is probably too much. Getting out of bed, moving forward in any, she had talked about how she, that depression feels or something. Maybe they could have developed that instead of being a whiner. She's really not mentally well, clearly. Mm-hmm. Like she's pretty sick. And like, she can't just, again, I didn't finish the book yet, but she can't just have a better mindset. Like she's going to need some fucking help. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. Cause the way that we as readers start the book is we're already on the countdown 19 hours before, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't flushed out enough. I found as a reader, we didn't get into understanding the main character, Nora, that developed over the course of the book, whereas you're right, maybe the impact and our ability to understand why she perceived she needed to end it all, the higher stakes could have been inviting us in sooner to what is her POV, what is life like for her? Because when it happened, like so early on, you're just, at first, I was just kind of like, whoa, how did we get here already? Like, is it? that bad whereas if it was i don't know a bit more probably feels that bad to her but we didn't know that as a reader he didn't develop the the feeling yes probably some pretty articulate i'm not a writer but like you could get pretty articulate on how it feels to be depressed to reach out to izzy it feels even like you you don't even know how to start your day Mm -hmm. let alone rekindle a friendship yeah Whereas essentially as readers, the first exposure we have to the main character is her Mm. very much in a victim mindset. Which you would probably have to be to be suicidal, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. He thinks she's got to rekindle this friendship with Izzy, but maybe Izzy's just busy. And the only reason she thinks there's something wrong with the (laughs) friendship is that she hasn't heard from her in like a week. But maybe Izzy just got food poisoning or something, right? Like when you're in that mindset, you're like, oh, she doesn't like me anymore because I'm a terrible person. You know, you interpret different things around you differently. That one regret, that was probably one of the journeys I liked the least is when she was in Australia and what Mm -hmm. happened as well to her best friend, how she she died a a month after she got there. I didn't love, that was probably my least favorite of the journeys into her, into her regrets as well. Yeah. yeah. Her weird roommate that plays video games all day. Video games all day. (laughs) <laughs> she should have like embraced it though. We're like, this is not so bad. <laughs> you know, like that's not so bad. <laughs> like you're in Australia. You spent your morning in a lap pool in Australia, and then you walked home and you're vi- so you got a lazy roommate. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> you're like, yeah. You're like, I'm gonna try to not be disappointed so I can stay in this life yeah. for a while before going back to the library. <laughs> yeah, like it's like being on vacation. Maybe getting where you fit in, girl. <laughs> when she finally goes back to life or whatever. And eventually the library will fade. Is her lesson going to fade as well? Is she kind Mm. of doomed to go back? I mean, sure, she's like, oh, perspective. But I mean, you have your personality and your uh, tendencies and stuff. And she obviously tends towards depression, right? Mm. For whatever reason. And I know they say it's situational depression, but, you know, there's also a certain amount of uniqueness that some people are more sensitive and they go into 
that happens to them more mm-hmm. often or whatever. So some part of me wondered, it tied it all up neat with a bow at the end. But is that, that really the end? Will she, is she, will she tend to move back to her natural tendencies once she forgets about the library? Or will that remain? Like an open Those question. are great questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then you feel bad for her. If it, right? I know. And then we start it all over again. Sounds like a book number two. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, good question, right? With people's natural personality tendencies and also just human nature, right? Just falling back and kind of forgetting about big impactful life lessons. You kind of forget about it sometimes. So yeah, it's interesting. Do they say whether or not she remembers this all happening? She'll remember Mm -hmm. it first and then it'll start to fade and then she'll just... But I don't know. It's a difficult thing to talk about because fiction versus nonfiction, right? Like it's obviously a fiction book. And so if we just take it as entertainment, then I like that it starts at the countdown. Like that's what immediately pulled me in. But to all of your previous points, and then now we transition over to reality. Do we need more information so that we don't unfairly judge this person who's legitimately depressed and we're saying they just need a perspective change? Depending on whether you want to play in the fiction version of this book or talk about it from a realistic point of view, the conversation really changes because as it is and fairly shallow, right? That's kind of what we're saying. We didn't get too deep with her. It is good. It just ties it right up. She just needed a perspective shift. She went to the midnight library. If she's going to remember it, I don't think her lesson will fade, but if the library fades then her lesson could fade, but in the time that it's not fading and she makes different choices, maybe she could end up happy, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But if she has a legitimate mental illness and now we're back in like nonfiction talk, if this was a real person, then the chances are she might go a couple more times around that spiral because I don't, the, there's no answers to this question, right? Like, is there a cure for depression? You know, like, is there, or is it just literally a chemical imbalance that, you know, you try to manage with medicine or exercise or whatever works for you, diet, and then you're still vulnerable to it coming back for whatever reasons, biological ones that you can't even control. There's like two conversations. Even yeah, if it's situational point. depression, if someone has situational depression, things can trigger you to go back into your depression because of something triggers you from your situation, right? Even if it's not like a chemical imbalance, but it's something that happened to you, like we read in the, that what happened to you book, like a smell or a situation will remind her of feeling really low and depressed. And, but she probably will have moments of depression again. I can't imagine each one of her lives. She was still, most of them, she was still taking antidepressants. Well, everybody, like it's normal for everybody to feel depressed. Sometimes it -hmm. just becomes a clinical issue. If it's like a maintained state for more than two weeks at a time, And depending on, you know what I mean? Like it's normal Mm -hmm. to feel depressed. That's not a mental illness. Humans feel that, but it's when you cross over into like, that's your, your regular rather than your whatever passing feelings. Yeah. It becomes your baseline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It becomes your baseline then. Yeah. How much plasticity is in the brain, her ability to, is she learns new ways to forge those neural ways stronger, but yeah, you'll always, she should have had a mushroom life. She should have had a mushroom life. One of her mushroom lives. Maybe she should have microdosed. There's some pretty mm-hmm. new evidence that that's the way to go. I've been microdosing for like a month now. It's really going well. Within one session. But see, 
There you go. Look at it's look incredible. At, you could be like this, guys. <laughs> look at how happy I am. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> well, I know some of the research shows that for the best outcomes for depression, having CBT along with some treatment like, you know, an antidepressant really gives the best results. So I wonder if some of the you know, lessons she's learning throughout this journey is contributing to sort of that CBT component as well, like some of that reframing of her thoughts. So that would be that component. But yeah. I think you're right. I think she would need more therapy and more she treatment. She would likely have to heal yeah, from the original events that caused some type of dysregulation. And again, it's not comparative trauma. It's what did she perceive as having a negative impact Mm-hmm. on her and then what were the rules for living that she developed as a result and what was her belief system if in learning a lesson at the library she was able to lift one belief and usher in a new one the likelihood of her seeing then behavioral changes are going to be increased significantly but then she would always be susceptible to old neuropathways and the chemicals that result from that Right. Get a boost this maybe we're like, mm-hmm. maybe the focus on like whether or not she'd be depressed in her new life is not maybe the author's intention. <laughs> Obviously, no. <laughs> you might be prone to depression, but perhaps what you need is the perspective change just on regrets. Whereas just because you're depressed doesn't mean that your life is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Because regrets don't need to be necessarily regrets. It's just what things are. And if you look at your perspective, maybe then when she does, if she goes into a depressive state, she's not going to think it's because of all the things she didn't do and the person she isn't. Maybe that's what she needs perspective change on is thinking like, I'm depressed and it's hard and I can get through it. And it's not because I made a mistake. It's just because I am. I love that. Right? Like because... what Kim was saying that everybody can be depressed naturally, right? And that's just part of living. Maybe that's a perspective change that the author wants to tell us. That, I love that, that Mary, because what you're saying is it's empowering, right? If it's because of the regret, yeah. the person that you can't do anything about the past, right? So mm-hmm. if that's your problem, then you have no solution. But if your problem is just, I feel like this right now, and I am able to go through this and then come out the other side, then the power is back with you. So I love that. And that was one of the things I actually really enjoyed about the book. Like that's my takeaway from the book is just how it's interesting that if you have a regret or you made a mistake or whatever, you just assume that that was the thing that is withholding my happiness. If only, if only, you know what I mean? And so by that, getting to take the journey with the book to like, oh no, you married him and he's a drunken loser. And it's like, oh, well, that's an option too, I guess. I, oh, maybe my happiness isn't, right? Like, I love that so much because we do tend to do that. And same thing with, um, I don't know, anxiety, right? Like you're easy, easy to picture the hundred worst case scenarios, but do you ever spend time being like, or... I could win the lottery. We'll say besides Sarah, because Sarah does that all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> the lottery, it's coming. Yeah. I know it's coming. Yeah, you I know feel like I mean? that feeds into the theme of perspective <laughs> change too. And even the way that you use the words, I feel depressed in opposition to I am depressed. That shift alone could have a significantly positive impact. 
totally because one of them's your identity and the other one is like a passing experience exactly and that's what i think the author did well increase that little bit of space between nora's how she perceives herself and her self-identity and her experience exactly right perhaps that's why it's important that she was depressed in other realities as well I love that part about language and I really feel that there's a real movement towards change in language. So people don't say they committed suicide anymore. They say they suicided, you know, or this person died by suicide, died by suicide. You don't say someone's schizophrenic. You say someone is living with schizophrenia, you know, so that they're, they're not defined by their illness or by, you know, it's not their fault. It's not solely on them, you know, it's not the one thing that they are right. Like it's something Mm -hmm. that they live with or experience. Exactly. And I love that language is changing for the good in that regard. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com. Can't get enough of the Book Interrupted crew? There's a YouTube channel for that. You guessed it. Book Interrupted YouTube channel has a bunch of extra footage to explore. You can see behind the scenes of making a Book Interrupted or just listen to one of our playlists. You can also find all episodes, sneak peeks, and silly videos featuring the Book Interrupted members. If you like what you see, give us a like and subscribe so we can stay connected and share more. Book Interrupted YouTube channel, filling the void between episodes. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. I love a Riddler. Well, not on me. I like to watch someone else be Riddler. Yeah. I was so mad at the librarian. Like, let her go. This poor soul is suffering. You monster. Yeah, I'm a hard lesson person. Yeah. Are you saying we need to be thankful for our adverse experiences? I guess my midnight library would probably be a wine cellar. <laughs> and then she does something and he puts up the movie Betrayed. And she's like, oh no, Vincent. Like that's always a bucket list of mine to go to the Olympics. So that would have been cool to actually be in the Olympics, you know, to see how far he could have taken it. Book interrupted. Never forget, every child matters.